Uh, all right, so this morning we're continuing our study through the Gospel of Luke, and we've been looking at the parables of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, uh, and today we're looking at Luke chapter 12. If you have a Bible with you, would you turn with me to Luke 12? If you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles on the chairs uh, next to you, and it's on page 508. If you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love for you to just take this one with you. That's our gift to you. We want you to have the Word of God in your hands and available at all times. Uh, so page 508, we're looking at Luke 12, verse 13. Um, we've been calling the series the Jesus the Great Storyteller, and we've been looking at the parables that Jesus tells, uh, and we've said all along that a parable is simply this. It's a story that teaches us what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And this morning, we're looking at the parable of the rich fool. Uh, at Story Church, we believe that living in the kingdom of God has implications for our whole lives. Uh, every sphere of our lives, every relationship that we have, every connection we have to, to work, to friends, to our free time, uh, including our finances, we believe Jesus has something to say about that. And this morning, we're looking at the parable of the rich fool. Uh, we want to be the kind of community here at Story Church, uh, a community of neighbors that think differently about money than the rest of our city does. We want to be people that use our wealth and our possessions uh, not to serve ourselves, but to glorify God and to serve those around us. And this parable brings up the secret to how to do that. How, how do we be the kind of people that view money differently, that use money differently? And so we're looking at the parable of the rich fool. And as we read this, we're going to uh, see three things. We're going to first, uh, we're going to need to see the signs. We're going to need to step back from the mirror. And we're going to need to find a new investment. So uh, on the back of the bulletin, there's um, space for you to take notes. If you want to take notes, this is where we're headed. We need to see the signs step back from the mirror, and find a new investment. All right, let's, uh, if you're able and willing, would you please stand for the reading of uh, God's word? All right, Luke 12, starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Heavenly Father, we pray that through your spirit, this text would come alive to us, that it would convict us, but that it would point us to the one in whom we can treasure above all things. In his name we pray, amen. 
You can go have, have a seat. So this story begins, uh, Jesus is teaching as he typically does, and um, there's a man that stands up in the crowd interrupting the conversation, and he says, hey, hey, teacher, hey, rabbi, would, would you decide between me and my brothers? I think I'm being cheated out of my inheritance. Rabbi, would you help me out? And Jesus responds, and he says, who made me judge over you? And he says this, watch out, be on guard. Watch out, be on guard. Now, these two words, this is the only time in all of Jesus' teaching, of all the things that Jesus has to teach on, that he starts saying with these two things, watch out, be on guard. It's almost like a, a, a double punch. Uh, if you're over by the highway and you, you know, for some reason, accidentally turn on to the off-ramp, and start going in the wrong direction, you're going to see two signs. It's the only place in traffic where you see two different signs. Wrong way, turn around. Do not enter. Do not enter wrong way. There's two signs because it's so dangerous to turn onto the off-ramp. It's perhaps more dangerous than a, a normal four-way intersection. There's two signs, and Jesus is saying, hey, watch out, be on guard. Be on guard, watch out. Jesus thinks that covetousness, greed, is so dangerous, perhaps more dangerous than anything else he has to talk about. In, in fact, of all, of, the, of all of the sins, of all the vices that Jesus does talk about, you know, uh, lust, power, pride, it's actually money that Jesus talks about more often than anything else. And so Jesus, watch out, be on guard, about money. He really wants us to hear this. And that's strange because, you know, often we don't think that money is as bad as, say, you know, adultery or murder or anything like that. But Jesus thinks this is really something to watch out for. But be careful because we, we can see this text, we can read this, and we can think that, you know, Jesus is saying, watch out for money. He's actually saying, watch out for covetousness. And we, we, I need to make sure that you hear me, that Jesus is not saying that having possessions, having wealth is inherently bad. It's not inherently wicked to have those things. Um, just after this parable, Jesus actually goes on to talk about the, our Heavenly Father who delights in providing for us. All throughout Scripture, there's this pattern of God blessing his people to be a blessing to others. And so there's, there's nothing inherently wrong about having possessions, having wealth. But Jesus is saying, watch out for coveting it. Watch out for having that inordinate desire for having more and more. Jesus is not teaching this parable that having possessions is wrong. He's saying that uh, the fool is, is, he's not a fool because he's rich. He's a fool because he's desiring wealth in an inordinate way. Jesus is pointing out uh, that the love of money, the desire for money, that is a snare that can easily entrap us. It's a trap that we can find ourselves in even without knowing it. And, and actually, everyone in this room is susceptible to falling into that trap. It doesn't matter if you uh, think of yourself as poor or, or wealthy. Uh, greed does not affect one class or the other. It affects all of us. Um, I mean, if you think that you uh, have finally made it, if you got the promotion and the bonus that you've been working for, if you moved into the house that you've been dreaming of, 
hey, guess what? There's always going to be someone who makes more money than you. There's always going to be a neighbor who has a bigger house than you or a newer toy or whatever it is. It doesn't matter if you feel like you've actually made it in life because greed has the potential to affect every one of us. And this is why it's so dangerous. Look, the things of this world just cannot satisfy us, but it's a trap. Everyone's susceptible to it, even me. Um, I don't know if you heard the news this week. I, I emailed it out to the church, but Sarah and I unexpectedly found out that we uh, have to move out of our house by the end of October. And uh, it's just really thrown us for a curveball. And um, so all week long, I can't speak for Sarah, but me, I, I, I've had like Zillow up on one screen, uh, my bank account on another screen, and then our spreadsheet in the middle. And I'm playing with the numbers and I'm looking at, hey, what house can we get for the money that we have? And I'm trying to work the numbers and the interest rate. And I'm just trying to get the most out of what we've got. And I found myself dreaming about, man, if only we made more, or, or if only we could have that kind of house, then, man, we'd really have made it then, right? I mean, I'm susceptible to this, this inordinate desire for more. And Jesus says it's a trap. Watch out. Be on guard. It is a trap. He knows just how dangerous it can be. He actually says in... Uh, in verse 15, he says, take care. He says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus knows that our life does not consist in the things that we can acquire. They can't satisfy your soul. They can't satisfy your long. I think that we all know this. You know, we, we all say money can't buy happiness, but do you really know that? That these things cannot satisfy your soul. Here's why. Like money, money's like a drug. Or at least it has the same principles that drug addicts and other addictions have. Because when, when, you, when you make money, you, you get into a certain economic class. A certain lifestyle comes with that. Look, if you get a new job and your income increases, then you're going to maybe start eating at newer restaurants that you couldn't afford before. Or, or wearing new clothes that you couldn't afford before. Or you know, engaging with certain people that you weren't engaging with before. There's some lifestyle that comes with a certain economic bracket that you're in, but guess what? You're going to look over and see, man, wouldn't it be nice to go over there? Wouldn't it be nice to eat there? Wouldn't it be nice to shop there? It's this, this addictive habit of, man, that feeling that I got of becoming this new lifestyle, it's waning, and I need something more. It's this thing that, it's called the tolerance effect, when you, when you take a drug, it has this chemical change in your body. You get this feeling, this high. And the first time you have it, it's incredible. I, mean, I don't know. But that, I've, I've read it. And, uh, but the next time you want that feeling, then you have to, you know, the same amount of drug taken doesn't give you that same effect because your body becomes used to it. And so you need to take more the next time, and then more the next time, and more the next time, and it becomes something that you are enslaved to. Money has the same potential. You can long for it and desire it, and guess what? If you get it, it won't be enough. It just cannot satisfy you. This is the danger that Jesus is drawing our attention to. Money has the power to capture us in a web of greed without escape or hope. We need to see the signs. We need to see these warnings. 
Look, in my many years of doing ministry, I've uh, shepherded people, I've discipled people, I've led Bible studies, I've led community groups. And in all of those years, like I've had people come to me and say, hey, Jeremy, I'm, I'm struggling with lust. I, I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with alcohol abuse. I'm struggling with depression. Never has anyone ever come to me and said, hey, Jeremy, I struggle with greed. And yet Jesus says, watch out, be on guard. Greed is a trap. We have to see the signs. Do you see them? In your own life, do you see yourself pulled towards an inordinate desire for more and more? But after we see the signs, secondly, we need to step back away from the mirror. So Jesus is telling this uh, uh, parable to drive home his point. And it's a story about a farmer who unexpectedly comes uh, into a a very plentiful yield that year. And he has to make the decision, what is he going to do with this bumper crop? He he has too much on his hands. What is he going to do? So he decides to tear down his barns, build bigger barns so he can store it for the future. Now, again, Jesus is not saying that investing and saving is inherently wrong. Um, In fact, I think the way that Jesus tells this story clues us into what is really going on. Let me reread this story, starting at verse 17, and I'm going to emphasize something that's there that maybe we didn't hear the first time we read it. Starting in verse 17, this is what the man said. He, He thought to himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. You relax, you eat, you drink, be merry. The way that Jesus tells this parable, (laughs) this man is so, he's so self-absorbed. The problem, the danger with greed is that it leads us to having this distorted view of who we really are. It's like going into a carnival funhouse and standing at one of those mystery mirrors that distorts our view. You know, we're either elongated or truncated or all messed up. That's what greed has the potential to do, to change the way that you view yourself. And in this case, this man is so self-absorbed. All he's ever thinking about is himself, what he can do with his earnings that he worked hard for. In fact, actually, the text says the land produced it, not him. This often happens, though, when we have success in one area, like having success in crops. It actually bleeds over and begins to affect the way we view ourselves in other areas. If we have success in one area, we tend to think, hey, actually, I'm pretty good. Maybe I'm good at that. You know, we start thinking that we've got success in other areas. Um, earlier this year, I set out to make a bookshelf for my office. And uh, I told myself that I could do it, um, that I could use those tools and figure it out and design it and build it, and it was going to be great. And the reason why I told myself that is because I know how to use a drill. I know how to use a drill to drill in a screw, and I told myself, I, I can use power tools. I know how to use a drill. And so I set out, I, I designed it all, I measured it, I you know, translated the dimensions, I bought the wood, I, I had this great picture in mind. I borrowed some tools from a friend because I don't have any. And uh, so I built it, and guess what? I can't build a bookshelf. 
uh, I thought I did. Well, it's, I don't know. It's, it's not a bookshelf. It's, it's some pieces of wood that are held together with the wrong kinds of screws, and they're bending underneath the weight of the books. But hey, there's some place. But we, we do that, right? We think that if I'm successful in this area, then it begins to bleed over and think that we can do more than we can actually do. That's what's happening to this man. He has had some success in farming, but it's bled over into him to thinking that he, in some way, has more control over his life than he really does. He's become self-sufficient. He says, hey, we have done, he's saying to himself, we have laid up enough goods for us. Now kick back, relax. Your life is secure. We have achieved our goal. Your life is secure. Enjoy it. He's being self-sufficient. He's so absorbed in himself. And actually, when, when God comes into the story, he says, you fool. And that word fool comes straight out of the Old Testament book of Proverbs that says a fool is someone who is wise in their own eyes. A fool is someone who is wise in their own eyes that says, I know what's right for me. I know how to take care of me. I know what life to have. I know, I know, I can have control. He is a fool because he thinks that he controls his life, that he controls his destiny. Here at Story Church, we believe that the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ is this. You are not in control. You do not control your fate. You cannot save yourself. But the message of Jesus is this. He can save you. But what we need to do to receive that is not be proud but to repent of that and humbly receive all that Jesus has done for us. This man was so foolish because he believed that he was in charge of his life. And yet, in the time where it really counted, all of his wealth, all of his possessions, they failed him. And that leads me to my third point. We need to find something new to invest in. So the story concludes. Jesus wraps it up uh, by saying this. God comes to him. God comes to him in verse 20. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Jesus is concluding this parable by showing us what happens in the end. That when we trust in the things of this world, when we trust in ourselves for our security, God shows up and he says that this very night, the rich man's life will be taken. All of his possessions that he stored up will just sit there for no one. Look, in the, minute, in the moment that this man needed his possessions the most, they failed him. His wealth and possessions surely made his life easier in many ways, but when it truly mattered, when his days came to an end, they simply could not provide for him what he needed, which was eternal security. The reality, friends, is that this lesson is not just about money, and it's for us too. When we place our security in the things of this world, they will sooner or later fail us. They will. Look, it can be money, Money will fade away. An emergency will come up and you will have to pay for it to fix something and your money will go away. But maybe your security is a relationship. 
a spouse or a friend or even a child. Look, they will let you down sometime. They will hurt you. They will offend you. They will even, unfortunately, sometimes reject you. And if your security, your identity, if your treasure is in that person, it will fail you. It could be your health. Maybe you've spent years building up a physique and, and, and muscles and you've dieted and you've really trained your body and you've said to yourself, I have done everything that I can to live well. Look, you do not have control over your body. It could fail you. Do not put your trust in your health or, or your looks. Look, I mean, if you invest time and energy and money into your appearance, we age as human beings. It is a natural result that one day we will not look the same way that we look now. Do not put your hope and trust in your appearance and how people perceive you and receive you. This is the lesson that we all have to hear. Life does not consist in these things. We need to find a new investment, a new thing, something to treasure that we can truly hold on to that will promise us never to let us down, never fail us. In fact, Jesus says, this is what's going to happen for anyone that stores up treasures in this world. But what you really need is to be rich towards God. But before I explain what that means, I think I need to say two things about what that doesn't mean. First, being rich towards God does not mean using your wealth in, in charity or volunteer or giving it away so as to build up credit for yourself, that you're, you're building up spiritual points by giving stuff away. I mean, some people, I think, do believe that in, in my good works, in, in my giving of wealth, I am storing up good credit so that on that day when God does come to me, he says, what do you have to show for yourself? And I can say, this is what I've done. That's not what Jesus is saying. And he's also not saying this. He's not saying neglect earthly things because your reward in heaven will be great. There is rewards in heaven, but what Jesus is not saying is when you reject the worldly things and the earthly things and the physical things now, it's, it's okay to suffer because your reward will be great. I think there are some people that truly believe that if we just get rid of the physical world and just care about the spiritual world, that's what Jesus is talking about, being rich towards God. But both of these are antithetical to the story of Jesus. Look, Jesus came down and took on flesh and blood with us. He loves the physical world. He loves the world around us. And he invites us to find enjoyment in the worldly, the physical things of this world too. But then also... Look, if we're trusting in some credit that we're building up for ourselves, then Jesus came into this world to die for no reason. Because he came into this world to die, he was dying for you so that we could trust in him alone, not in ourselves. So here's what it means to be rich towards God. It means to find in him our treasure. It means to find in Jesus our security, our identity. This rich man was a fool because he was trusting in his wealth. We can be wise when we trust in Jesus. Here's what it means to find Jesus your treasure. First, 
It means to recognize how have I been trusting in other things, letting go of that, and clinging to Jesus. It means letting go of the things that you've been resting in for your security and saying, Jesus, I trust in you alone. But then second, it it means that daily we are resting in that identity. It means that we are resting and trusting in the fact that we have a secure relationship with God the Father. Look, Jesus came to die so we could have the forgiveness of our sins, yes, but he also died to reconcile us to the Father so that we could be adopted into the family of God, where now we in Christ are brothers and sisters with one another, children of God, and he promises us to take care of us. To treasure Christ is to daily rest in that secure relationship so that when the chaos of life does come because it will come we have something stable and foundational to rest in treasuring christ means being filled up with the knowledge that we are cared for both in this life and in the life to come because jesus gave himself up for us look the apostle paul says this about what jesus did he said christ became poor so that in him we could become rich. Brothers and sisters, we become rich towards God when we see that Jesus became poor for us. And the way he became poor was he said, you are my treasure. I love you so much that I am willing to give everything for you. And in giving everything for us, he made us rich abundantly more than we could ever imagine. Friends, the way that we treasure Christ more and more is we see that he has made us his treasure. When we see that he has made us his treasure and gave everything for us, then we can delight in him more. We can treasure him more. We can daily rest that we are in a secure relationship with the Father who cares and provides for us. And this is so amazing because when we get that, when we fully understand that, when we practice regularly reminding ourselves of that, then finally we can be the kinds of people who do not trust in money. We can be the kind of community here in the city that, that lives differently than our neighbors, that views our money differently than our neighbors. We can live generously because we know that God has promised to give us everything that he, we need. This is, the, this is the key to understanding what Jesus is talking about in this parable. When we understand that he gave himself up for us, then we can treasure him. And when we treasure him, we can live generously with our possessions. We want to be the kind of people that follow the pattern of the Bible, that we are blessed to be a blessing for the glory of God and for the good of our neighbors. That's what we want to be here at Story Church. Let's pray.